Well, good morning and very happy Easter to everybody. What would bring you happiness is our theme today. What would bring you happiness? It's a very desirable thing, happiness, isn't it? And, um, and yet we have, human beings have been on this planet all this time. We still haven't got an agreed, guaranteed way of being happy. In fact, uh, recently there was reports of a Google, the chief business officer of Google, a guy called uh, Mo Gordat, who's uh, been given six months' leave from Google to spread happiness to 10 million people, right? And you can watch it. There's a Channel 4 news report on YouTube, which I was going to play you a bit of, but I think the technicalities, let's skip that. Uh, but he's been exploring, and if you listen to him, actually what he's telling you is Buddhism, right? Um, and, and, um, which is basically along the lines, bring down your desires and then you won't be disappointed because disappointment's what makes you unhappy. That's my summary. You can look, look for yourself and see whether you agree I've summarized it correctly because if you don't agree, um, that's fine. But I think that's what he's basically saying. And that's what Buddhism teaches. It's not what Christianity teaches. Christianity says it's not that our desires are too big, they're too small. And um, so... Um, happiness, of course, you can't grow it. You can't go to the sh garden center and find seeds for happiness. Yep, I know on our kitchen windowsill we do have what some people call a happiness plant, but I can honestly say it has not contributed to my happiness particularly. And um, you can't go to the supermarket and find a package of happiness. You can't go on Amazon or eBay and buy happiness. I did search for, uh, for happy on, on the, on, on, on the uh, Google Maps, and I found that it's in Texas, right? <laughs> so uh, here's the map here. It's just south of Amarillo. It's on my PowerPoint. Um, so you see it's got, it's got a little button on there, a little pin, happy. You see it's called happy, a population about 674. So I don't think it can be a, actually work as a place where you could get happy because otherwise the population would be a great deal larger. I don't think it's on the road to Amarillo because I think the, if Tony Christie was on the, the east-west road when he was on the road to Amarillo. So um, happiness, from my experience, seems to be a byproduct of something else. It's not something you can go after in itself. It seems to be a byproduct of something else. Now, by the way, I'm not here today talking about issues of mental health and mental illness and mental well-being. That's when, when we're really sad with mental ill health, that's another thing together, which I'm not really covering. I'm just talking about that general kind of sense of a deficit in happiness that many people have. So there's a 17th century French mathematician called Blaise Pascal. You may not have heard of him, but he says this, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, the desire for happiness, attended with different views. This is the motive of every action of every man or woman, uh, even of those who hang themselves, he says. Right? And all kinds of things make promises to us. Uh, I remember as a teenager, I used to get quite a lot of acne, and I thought, oh, no girl will ever kiss me if I have acne. I, I would, turned out that was wrong. But um, <laughs> just, just to give hope to anyone who, you know. And uh, th it also was wrong because I, I remember pe parents saying, oh, that's something you'll grow out of when you grow, get older. Well, that's a lie as well, I found. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, you know, I used to think, if only I could be free of acne, I would be happy. 
And you might think, you know, if only I could get that relationship with him or her, I'd be happy. If only we could have a baby, we would be happy. If only I won the lottery, we'd be happy. If only I could pass this exam, I'll be happy. If I can sign that deal, I'll be happy. If I can book that dream holiday, I will be happy. If I can get that gender reassignment surgery, I can be happy. If I can blow myself up and kill a load of people with me, I will be happy. I guess that's the, some of the thinking, there's weird things people seem to think in the world. Um, all kinds of things seem to promise happiness. And yet, in my experience, as I've gone after those things, they have not delivered. Again, when I was a teenager, I set my whole heart on buying this trench coat. I thought, if I get that trench coat, I'm going to be so cool. I will really have arrived. I will be accepted. Suddenly, I will be popular. And uh, I got the trench coat. It did not deliver on any of its promises. Right? And... You must all have experienced the same thing. Surely that's one of the things that happens, I guess, when you're a teenager. Children seem to be so much more able just to kind of play with a rubber ring on the beach in summer. And they are in a place, a happy, happy zone. But somehow you get into teenage years and, and life starts to disillusion you. And you realize it's a little bit more complicated. These stuff, achievements, experiences, relationships... They can't actually deliver. And even, even if you find someone, a lovely person to marry or a child, and they make you really happy, things tend to, it's not easy. They, they, they get ill, and then they can't make you as happy as they used to. Or they die, and then they're not making you happy anymore. We, we have to find some more sustainable source. And, or you might say, oh, this idea of happiness, it's just there to mock us. The best thing is to go with the Buddhists, just try and... Get rid of all your desires so you can't be disappointed. Then you'll at last be happy. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think the desire for happiness was sent to mock us. I don't think, it was, I don't think it's a sort of cruel twist of evolution to make us wish for happiness that you can never, ever have. It's C.S. Lewis, the writer who wrote the Narnia books and which have been made into films in more recent years. He said that the, every kind of longing is a sign there's something somewhere in the universe that can meet that longing. And so he says, take thirst, there's water. Take hunger, there's food. Take the longing uh, not to be lonely, there is love. Right? And, and so he says, every longing is a pointer to the fact there is something somewhere in the universe that can meet that longing. And I would ask um, the question then today, can God help with this longing for happiness? And... You see, we're told in the Bible that God's kingdom, God's rule and reign is marked by righteousness, peace and joy. And particularly today, we could talk about all of these things. They're rich, rich topics. I want to focus on the joy, God's kingdom. Some of you here today may think the universe is just a big, empty space. It's cold, it's empty. Nobody's at home in this universe. There's just a few billion of us little carbon units that's, we're principally made of carbon, I think, in the human body. And we inhabit this very thin layer of atmosphere that's, that's managed to be retained around the planet Earth that, that is rotating around this particular sun. And it, we just lucked out that we happen to exist here in this particular habitable zone. There's a, a diagram that the, the Earth is just, it's, the cold in, it's in the Goldilocks zone because it's neither, the, the planet is not too large or not too small and also it's not too close to the sun to be too hot nor too far from the sun to be too cold. And there's, if you want to find out more about this, Adrian Vandenbroek is very expert on, on just the, all the different factors that came together so this planet could be here and sustain life. It really is incredible actually. And uh, Adriel knows a great deal more about this uh, than, than I do. 
and so we are here, but but others of us, of us are persuaded that there is actually a God at home in this universe, a God who's a heavenly Father, who is self-aware, rational, purposeful, who is just, who's full of grace and truth, who's intelligent, um, kind, joyful, happy. And if, if we're right, then this desire we have for happiness is because there is a God who is himself irre- irrepressibly happy. And, and that's what I want to say to us this morning. God is happy. Right? God, God loves coming to church, by the way, and, uh, and, and, and he's very happy. And you're going to say, really? It's not what I thought. Um, you know, I've been following God's Twitter feed and Facebook page for some years. And if you've been doing that over the centuries, you might have seen some images like this, these. All right, next slide. Um, do you, do you, are you kind of familiar with these things? You know, you go up to galleries in London or stuff like that, and these are the sort of pictures. Or you go into church buildings. Maybe you go on holiday in Europe and you go into a cathedral and you see the, these pictures. Now, can you see anybody smiling here? No? And, um, I mean, apart from... This, by the way, is a representation of the Trinity. The old chap with the grey hair and the grey beard is supposed to be God the Father. Obviously, we've got Jesus the Son dying or dead. And the dove, by the way, is the Holy Spirit. It's, this is not an effective way of portraying the Trinity. This is not what it's like, by the way. Okay, God the Father's not an old man with a beard like a Father Christmas. Okay, But, um, but notice none of them are smiling. Or oh, the next slide. Um, again, I mean, this really looks miserable, isn't it? doesn't it? Do you agree? And, and so often with these portrayals, Jesus isn't even looking you in the eye. And I don't know about you, but I think someone, I always think when I think of Jesus, I think he's kind of, he looked people in the eye. Yeah? He, he wasn't kind of all cast down like this. There's something odd, something weird about this. So if you've been following God's Twitter feed all this time, I want you to know this wasn't the real God. Right? I don't follow Donald Trump, but I think his Twitter handle is real Donald Trump or something like that. Hashtag real, isn't it? Because there's probably a load of fake Donald Trumps out there. Right? I want to tell you this is fake news about God. Right? This is not the real truth about God. And if you want to know uh, God's real Twitter feed, you have to go to the Bible. Right? You have to go to the book that really, where God speaks for himself, not having other people speak on his behalf and try and make you think he's miserable. Because... The, the, the scripture says the nations will say that the Lord is blessed. To be blessed is to be happy. Well, I don't hear the nations saying that God is happy. Right? That something like one in three people on this planet profess to follow Christ, and yet I don't hear people saying that God is happy. Now, uh, let, let me just look at some of the scripture here. Right? God the Father is joyful. We read here in 1 Timothy, Paul's letter to his his uh, young Christian friend Timothy, the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. Blessed means happy, one who's filled up with goodness. He's, he's blessed. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, the Father is happy. Next, God, the Son. We're, 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 Jesus says this, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. And then he prayed to his Father, I'm coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Jesus had joy. Right? Jesus, he didn't need to grimace like that. He has joy. And then the Holy Spirit, we can read about this. It says, you became, uh, Paul writing to the Christians in Thessalonica, still a city in Greece today, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, that's Jesus, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Right? With the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, 
of course it's true. God is very sad and he's angry about evil and suffering. But what he did to deal with that is what we talk about over the Easter weekend. On the first Good Friday, God the Father caused all of the evil and all of the suffering of all of the universe throughout all of time and space to be focused upon Jesus Christ on the cross. So that all that misery he he dealt with there you, you might say, well, that, how's that? Because God lives right outside of time and space. So he is able to deal in time and space with that which is, trans, which is across all of history and could bring it all to bear upon Jesus Christ. It was not nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was his love and his willingness to take and bear and literally experience the utter wretchedness and abomination of all of that evil and suffering and sorrow of all of human history in that place once and for all on the cross. And because he did it there, he does not continue to have to do it. It says, uh, we read in Hebrews 12 too, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay? Now, it's true, when we displease God, if I go out and murder somebody or do something, I will grieve. I give the Holy Spirit some grief. But it's a temporary grief within a great, great ocean of his happiness and joyfulness. So, you know, God is not hostage to us. Um, In some senses, James Packer, a theologian, says, God has tied up his happiness with us, but I can be quite sure of this. He's not hostage to me. He's not hostage to me. And God is not having to prove he loves us by looking miserable as the pictures portray. Uh, I think that he proved his love for us by dying on the cross, right? by experiencing the utter misery on that one occasion. And scripture is very clear that it was done once and he declared it is finished. Right? He has dealt with those things. He is not continuing to deal. There is no continuing crucifixion. There is no continuing offering of the Christ as the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God was offered once for all time. He need never offer his life again because it was sufficient. He was the perfect Lamb of God. He need never offer himself again. And we can thank God for that. So what makes God happiness? Does the Bible tell us what makes him happy? It certainly does. It says that God is happy in himself. Right? This is one of the wonderful things about the Trinity that we were talking about earlier, that there's Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And before there was any creation, <clears throat> that God delighted in himself. We read in Isaiah 42, Here is my servant. This is God the Father speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, that's Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. And there's many scriptures that speak of this. God delighted in himself. You read Jesus' prayer in John 17, you get that sense of that. And then God is happy about things like love and justice and righteousness. So we read in Jeremiah 9, amongst many other scriptures again, let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, God says. Right? His, his happiness is based, it's not just a kind of packet of happiness like I was saying. It's because he, he sees that which he loves, which he esteems, which he values. And when he sees it being promoted and he has the power to promote these things, it delights his heart. 
And we're told that famous passage often used at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, love is this, love is that. We're told there that love rejoices in the truth. And God is love, so God rejoices in the truth. And he does not rejoice in evil. Or we read in Zephaniah 3 that the Lord wants to delight in us, in people. It says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. God wants to take great delight in us. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Well, if God is happy, then what? If God is happy, then what? Think about it. If this all-powerful creator is really happy, if God is happy, and he knows that he's at work behind, because this world is messed up, and in this world we're resisting God. We're, uh, the world is a mess because we resist, we don't go his way. But he is at work one day to bring all things together and to make it all right. And therefore, because he is happy, he is fully, fully joyful. And therefore, to be with him is the very happiest thing that any human being could possibly uh, enjoy. And to be with him, of course, then gives us a source of joy that is really secure because God cannot die and he cannot cease to exist. And ultimately, he will not be defeated. He will win. Love will win because Christ triumphed at the cross and this is why it's such good news that Jesus has been raised from the dead I don't know about you but sometimes when you watch these things like like Doctor Who on BBC or some of those superhero movies you know there's a baddie figure and they try and kill the baddie figure but sometimes they're very difficult to kill aren't they and it's like they keep resurrecting or like the aliens in the alien movies or whatever. You can never get rid of these things. And, and those are the kind of resurrections you don't want, right? <laughs> right? The stuff, the bad things that are coming to get you, you, you know, there's a shooter killing people or something on a marauding terrorist attack. You want them to take the guy down. You, know, you don't want him to keep getting up again and shooting more. But when you have someone as good as Jesus, as wonderful as he is, with such blessing and bounty, with such a heart of love towards humanity... You, he's the one you want resurrected, and thank God he was resurrected. So the one who, uh, of whom we cannot, to, to who we cannot love too much, and from whom uh, is available every kind of spiritual blessing, he is alive. And so we celebrate that he's alive, um, not because of just the miracle of the resurrection, but of who he is that was resurrected, that he is alive, that he's full of life, that death could not hold him, therefore he can impart life, he can impart peace. He can bring joy to us. So you might then say, but I'm not even sure God, if he's happy, does he want to make us happy? Well, he most certainly does. We've, we've already read these scriptures once before, but let's go back to them. I think this is the next slide, Peter, from John 15 and John 17. And uh, if it isn't, it's uh, one should have been for earlier back. right? So I've told you this, Jesus said. I've told you this. Why? So that my joy may be in you. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. This is your expectation if you turn to Christ and that your joy may be complete. It's not just a little bit of joy. God wants your joy to be complete. And then Jesus prayed that same thing when he was praying to his Father. So we know the Father agrees with this because Jesus always prays what the Father also wants him to pray. So he says, I'm coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that you may have the full measure of my joy within them so that they may have the full measure of my joy this is our 
calling as God's people to enter into his grace, his truth, his love, to abide in it. Like John 15, it talks about abiding in his love. Abiding means to be really present in it. Just to zone in, to be right present with God. Not following, you know, focused in on your phone, on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, those things might have their place. But we not just thinking about the next episode of our favourite soap and how that storyline may develop. These things, may, they're not evil. But there are times when you just need to be present for God. Yes, there's also for your family, for your parents, for your church children, for other people that you meet, to give eye contact to the teller in the bank or the cashier in the supermarket. To be present. So important. Happiness is not out there. We, we often think, oh, it's over here. No, it's get to that place where in Christ you feel so accepted that you can be present here, present with him. There are people I know, human beings, that are, I love to be around because they make me happy. Or music I like to listen to because it just, just lifts your spirit. Do you know that's just a taste of what it's like to be with, with Jesus, to be with God our Father. He, he's multiple times better than those people because sometimes those same people let me down. They're miserable. I was needing them to be happy for me. And, and, and that day they were miserable, so that didn't help me. <laughs> isn't, isn't that what happens with us? Yeah? That, but... But God our Father is not like that. Scripture tells us that his smile is toward us. Because of what Jesus did, his smile is towards us. And that's a wonderful thing. That same mathematician, Blaise Pascal, he, um, he ran away from God. He resisted Christianity. But when he was 31 years old, on November the 23rd, in, 20, in 1654, at 10.30 p.m., Pascal met God and was profoundly and unshakably converted to Jesus Christ. And he wrote down what happened to him on a piece of parchment and he sewed it into his coat. Those were the days when you only had one coat and you had it all your life, you know? And you left it in your will to your heir. And so after he died, eight years later, just eight years later, the person who inherited his coat found the parchment sewed into the coat. And let me read what it says. It's on here. Year of Grace, 1654, Monday, 23rd of November, Feast of St. Clement. From about half past ten at night to about half an hour after midnight, fire! God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars. Certitude, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God. Joy, 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 tears of joy. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. If you want to find out more about the happy God, come to Life Explored.
Tuesday night, 25th of April, and come and explore the goodness of God, all these things. Let's stand together. So if you're visiting, you don't normally come and you want to let us know you're coming along on to Life Explored, well, use the connected card, give it to me or pop it in the box underneath the speaker here and then we'll know to expect you and can get in touch if there was any reason to change that date. I can't think of one, but, you know, it's just good practice. Now then, I want to just give your hands a quick wash, no water. You don't have to, but I'm just encouraging you to do this. And then hang them out to dry, palm upwards under the sunshine of God's goodness and love. You may not be certain there even is a God. You might be pretty adamant there isn't one. But I invite you to do this anyway. You're stuck in here now for a few minutes, so... Why don't you ask God that he would give you something of his joy, his peace. He bring his mercy to you. That deep longing in your heart. Maybe it has a different focus. Maybe it's on peace or whatever. But I want you to know everything that is good and desirable and lovely is actually found in Jesus Christ. Yes, he gives many good gifts in this natural world. A lovely plate of food or beautiful music or lovely mountains or sea. or Yeah, those are good things. But they're just to point you to the one who created all those things. Right? The giver is much, much better than his gifts. And he's grieved that you have ignored him, just enjoyed the gifts ignored him as the giver and he's saying well, come on have me I'm offering you myself <laughs> so meet with all, us all I pray Father God come Holy Spirit we want to receive you with the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit just as we read in scripture we bring you all the mess we make of our lives all the stupid decisions the we seem to be hardwired to make ourselves unhappy sometimes, Father. We get ourselves stupidly addicted to things. We get ourselves into debt. We're unkind to the people who love us and then they, they don't want us around them anymore. We, Lord, you know we make such a mess. We bring all of that mess to you because you said, come to me just as you are and I'll take you. And I will exchange mourning, misery for the beauty of praise for the joy of salvation.